Hello, and welcome to How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children, stop walking on eggshells, and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you wanna know the answer, you're in the right place. Hello, hello, Megan Thompson here with Megan Thompson Coaching, and I'm here to bust some myths today, guys. So we're gonna talk about the difference between being highly sensitive and having part of that be the the four components. One of the components is depth of processing and then perfectionism which is not part of the trait inherently but can be quite evident for people who are highly sensitive and analysis paralysis another concern where highly sensitive people can get stuck in making decisions so when we think about what we're talking about regarding parenting and your child who's highly sensitive and in the context of what we do which is helping parents eliminate the daily meltdowns in around eight weeks or less what we're doing is supporting you in noticing what parts of the trait are actually what you're considering parts of the trait are actually symptoms of the meltdown cycle that you're in and not actual inherent components of the highly sensitive personality trait So I wanted to break this down because especially while everybody is virtual schooling or hybrid schooling or throw everything at the wall to see what sticks schooling, just survival mode schooling, we see a lot of perfectionism going on for our highly sensitive children and the clients that we work with in the coaching company, the the parents of highly sensitive kids. And so... Um, so when we think about the challenges that you're focusing on at this point, I want to just describe the problem. So parents of highly sensitive kids who are stuck in the meltdown cycle can really get stuck between balancing, wanting to honor their child's sensitivities, noticing that their child is sensitive, take thing, takes things, uh, deeply processing, processing events deeply and, and more thoroughly, and then get stuck in the 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 worry or the fear of whether or not they are doing something the right way or are going to mess it up or going to make mistakes. Now, if you're dealing with a meltdown cycle, you can be experiencing the concept of walking on eggshells on a daily basis, right? So what that means is that you're tiptoeing around your child, worried about what might set them off, worried about what they might get disappointed about next or frustrated with next so much so that you might be dulling the expectations you have for your child. And so we know for sure that many of you have been dealing with this for years. This is not just a pandemic problem, right? And so when we think about the challenges that a lot of parents of highly sensitive kids are dealing with when we're, we're dealing with the concept of perfectionism, what we're focusing on today is noticing what is actually depth of processing, which is the concept that your child thinks about things deeply, feels things deeply, needs to process things deeply, right? I'm using the definition of the word, <laughs> using the word within the definition of the word, but we'll break that down today. And then how that can lead to 
without skills to manage that depth of processing, how that can lead to perfectionism, which then can lead to a further down the line of a spectrum of analysis paralysis, not being able to make a decision at all for fear of making the wrong decision or for fear of messing it up. So let's, let's break this down today because if you're stuck in this position, one of the major concerns you're probably feeling is whether or not you're supposed to hold your child's feet to the fire, help them stretch outside their comfort zone, or notice that they're sensitive and you might be pushing them too far and they're going to break down. And we often see parents picking their battles and trying to figure out when would be the right time for their child to stretch outside their comfort zone. But unfortunately, without a system in place, that can feel a lot like um, a willy-nilly decision, just on a whim. Do I have the energy as a parent to hold my child to growth today? Or has my child has a, had a hard day and is today just not the day? Uh, and then when you look back at it, you know, two, three months later, even six months to a year later, you may observe and you may be well observing, especially if you're following this um, platform here, that your child hasn't grown a lot in some very significant avenues like tolerating distress or f frustration or disappointment. And so when we think about where your child is in terms of how old they are and how they're dealing with their emotions, how they're expressing frustration, how they're communicating their needs, it's important to con consider whether or not your child's emotional needs are matching their chronological age. And if you don't feel like those things are matching up, then definitely stay tuned. So when we think about depth of processing, what we want to consider for the highly sensitive trait, just to focus on what the one component of the trait now for both for you know for those of you who are new to understanding the trait being highly sensitive in order to fit into that category for that being your personality you need to have four traits depth depth of processing four components of the trait um being easily overstimulated do that's o emotionally reactive and empathetic those two go hand in hand you can watch my videos on um, on that to learn more about why they go hand in hand. Uh, they don't cancel each other out. And then sensitive to subtleties. And uh, today we're gonna talk about the first one, which is depth of processing. So when you think about depth of processing, one of the things that I like to explain to my clients often related to this is understanding how much information your child is taking in from the world on a daily basis and how that can be quite overwhelming for them if they're highly sensitive and they don't have the skills to filter differently. So when we think about um, what information your child is taking in from the world, it's important to understand that if you're not highly sensitive, your perspective of what they are considering when they're making decisions can often be quite off base considering what your child is actually trying to consider when they're making a decision. So I often use the concept of a funnel to consider what your child may be taking in from the world on any given day in any given circumstance. So to break this down in, in brief terms, uh, in brief application, I want you to think about a highly sensitive person taking in this much information, okay, this large point of the funnel. So a highly sensitive person is going to take in not just sensory information, you know, sights, sounds, smells, touch, 
words, but also subtle twitch of the eyebrow, communication, nonverbal and verbal communication style of other people, background noise, etc., as well as the context of the situation. And if they're in the learning setting, new information from whatever they're being taught, right? So let's keep learning off the um, off the, the discussion for right now. Let's just consider your child wanting to play and being stuck in their ability to play. Now we know to be what we know to be true is that children who are anxious, they don't play. They don't engage in imaginative play on a regular basis. And so it's very important to understand that your highly sensitive child, if they are a typically intellectual child or a child who prefers to um, to talk but not actually to relax into play, then that is that needs to be a concern of yours. It's important for you to be aware of that. So some of you might be asking, why do I know that? So I'm a registered play therapist supervisor. I'm a licensed clinical professional counselor. If you were just started following me, while this is a, a coaching uh, company I run too, it's also true that I've been do, being a, I've been a play therapist for over a decade now. So what we know to be true about children is play is their language and toys are their words. So if your child is not playing, they are stuck. So uh, if your child is not able to engage in a playful activity because they are stuck around perfectionism or not having uh, or having a hard time making a decision, that is not indicative of the trait or inherent of the trait of being highly sensitive. All right, so when we think about that, that is a skills deficit. That is a, that is a need for skill that your child does not yet have. Um, and so I wanna make that clear because we see often parents of highly sensitive kids ask in any form, whether that be my Facebook group, other Facebook groups for highly sensitive kids, you know, et cetera. Does your child who's highly sensitive get stuck in making a decision? And all sorts of parents will say, yes, that's a thing. That's a thing for highly sensitive kids. And my caveat to you is that's a thing if your child doesn't have the skills to manage anxiety, disappointment, and frustration. So back to my funnel analogy, okay? When, um, when we're thinking about the funnel, my grammar just came in to me, my English skills, funnel simile, right? It's like a funnel. There we go. <laughs> My freshman English teacher would be proud. So here we have the, the depth of processing, all right? Your child is taking in more information from the world. If you're not highly sensitive, this is how much information you take in from the world. We have different filters. I'm not highly sensitive. So what that means is that a non-highly sensitive person, 80% or so of the population, is going to filter out information that to a highly sensitive person, to a non-highly sensitive person, feels irrelevant, but to a highly sensitive person, that information feels relevant. So what happens when you have a lot of information that you need to take in and it feels relevant and then you wanna make a decision? Well, there's a lot more mud to wade through, isn't there? So when we think about the concerns that you're struggling with in parenting your highly sensitive child, especially if you're not highly sensitive or if you're highly sensitive and you've got skills, it can be quite frustrating when you're asking your child, do you want to paint or color, right? Uh, and your child is frozen in this fear, or maybe they started the activity and then they, you know, by sleight of the hand, scratched out the beginning of their work and then they are in this rage-filled aggravation 
ready to crumple up, rip up their paper that at four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten plus, you want them to learn that they can make a mistake and then move on from that mistake, right? Or they can turn that into fireworks in the picture. Who knows, right? A scribble scrabble can be whatever it, you want it to be. When your child, you want your child to feel relaxed enough to explore, relaxed enough to get creative, to play, to Jackson Pollock up the art, right? And so when you think about the need that your highly sensitive child is not able to meet, it's they're not able to meet the need of feeling disappointed and to dissipate that. And so when your child is struggling in that moment, that is a concern of perfectionism. Perfectionism is I want things to go the exact right way that they're supposed to go in my mind because perfectionist, perfect, perfect is, is relative, right? So in my, in my exact right mind, and if it doesn't, then I am wrong and it is wrong and I made a mistake. So we know, as you've been, if you've been following me for a while, highly sensitive people can be more prone to shame. So when we think about, especially if you watched my masterclass, you've learned that uh, when we think about your child's immediate quick to shame reaction, I messed up, therefore I'm wrong, therefore I'm bad at this, therefore it will never work, therefore I might as well quit. What happens over time? What happens over time is analysis paralysis. I might as well not even start because I don't know what I'll do if things don't go the way that I want. Guys, so what's super, super important is if your child has a funnel that is wider than yours or just is wide, maybe you're a highly sensitive parent too, and it's difficult for them to take in details and then make decisions, settle those details and make decisions, it doesn't mean that your child can't build those skills. That's super, super crucial to understand. So when we think about the concern that's going on, that is a fear-based reaction that your child is having. And your child can build skills to dissipate fear. That is the truth. There's nothing else around it. So if you are worried about trying to help your child grow and they seem so stuck. And, and I'm gonna use the word stuck because for highly sensitive kids, you can see their body. They are tense. They literally look like they are stuck in the mud. They won't move, right? They, they can even be f even further than that, stuck in concrete, depending on how rigid and tense their body is when they don't know what to do next. And when your child is at that level, your worry at that point, obviously as a parent is, is my kid gonna blow up? Or is my kid going to shut down? Because there's no way around it without the skills to help them grow out of that moment. And so what this creates over time, you know, when multiple examples of this, multiple times a day or at least once a day for many, many weeks, even months or a year beyond, uh, over time, you slowly start to shrink your expectations for your child's ability to manage frustration. You slowly start to shrink your expectations for your child's ability to manage disappointment. And what happens? Your child starts to do the same. So we as parents, I'm a parent as well, we all want our children to notice that they can do whatever they put their minds to if their heart believes it, right? So if that's the case, then we have to help our children manage their intense emotions in order to settle their heart so their brain can think about different options. So 
when we think about the challenge that you're having about understanding the trait, taking in more information from the world doesn't mean that you can't solve problems, doesn't mean that there's only one right answer. That's what perfectionism is. Doesn't mean that you don't know how to start. That's analysis paralysis, right? Okay. So I really wanted to make sure that we covered today the difference between depth of processing, perfectionism, and analysis paralysis, because when you look at them on a spectrum rather than as siloed traits, you can notice that somebody who has a deeper level of processing can then fall into the trap of perfectionism and then slide down deeper into analysis paralysis patterns. And so this is actually a downward slope. These are not siloed components of the trait because we want to acknowledge that once your child has the skills to filter out what they are processing and dissipate the intensity of what they are processing, then they will be able to make decisions. So you have to help your child build a filter. Now, when you're trying to discern whether or not your child has a filter or not, let's, let's be sure that we know that we're talking the same language here. So the symptoms of perfectionism and analysis paralysis are a couple of things. I was actually just speaking to one of my team members earlier today about this. Um, someone that she knows and, and cares about is stuck in surprise mode, not able to move beyond surprise. So when we think about that, what that means is that this person is not able to take a question and answer it. So instead, this person is saying, I wasn't prepared for that question. I don't know the answer. And then frozen all day long. And when that happens for your child, what, what is the symptom of that, right? Being quiet, being shy, being um, a wallflower, staying stuck on the edge of the room, trying to take it all in, all right? So when you think about being a highly sensitive child and wanting to take in more information from the world and being able to and being capable of it because highly sensitive people can use more brain power than non-highly sensitive people. That is a strength and can be a bigger strength when it's not your kryptonite, right? <laughs> um, then if that's a skill and you're able to warm up, then we don't need to call it slow to warm up, right? It just is warming up at a different rate. Doesn't mean it's slow, just means it is. However, if your highly sensitive child is stuck in the warming up phase, so much so that they cannot enjoy activities that they actually want to enjoy, that is a significant problem. Because what happens is they start to perceive themselves as somebody who can't. So when we think about this in the context of real life, what does that mean? Your child may ask you to go take... Um, you know, go play soccer, or they may want to get in, in, involved in an art class or a Lego building class, or, uh, you know, right now, a lot of those things, depending on where you live in the country or in the world, um, those things are limited just by nature of the pandemic. And with that being said, they're not limited everywhere. Um, and so, you know, there might be masks on, etc. And so if your child wants to engage in these activities, but struggles with their ability to feel like they can and struggles with their ability to take in information from whatever it is that they're learning, the, you know, the faces of the coach, the communication style of their peers, the capacity to learn the skill of the game, and then apply that and play, what happens? 
they stay stuck. They freeze and then they say they don't want to go after three weeks of sitting on the sidelines. And so where you end up being is, is stuck between a rock and a hard place, right? Do I honor the fact that my child doesn't feel like they can do it yet and, you know, not push them over the edge and throw them over the cliff because we all know that leads to a meltdown times a million, right? Or do I honor the fact that my child wants to do this and needs to stretch outside their comfort zone? And the key component around this is being able to discern how to help your child filter information and then weed through it, weed it out or weed through it. So that's not something that you can do by just telling them that it's going to be okay. That's reassurance. Reassurance perpetuates perfectionism. We can do a whole different training on that one. So what's important to understand for you as a parent is that this starts with your understanding of the trait. This starts with your ability to help your child accept emotions and playfully engage around emotions. This starts with your ability to break down shame. This starts with your ability to give your child feedback and have them take it in, right? Because if they're not able to do any of those things and then move on, then you can't systematically solve this problem. You won't, you will continuously see it pop up. It'll feel like whack-a-mole. So you may take all season to get your kid into the soccer games, and then when swim class comes around or basketball season comes around, what happens? You're in the same boat. Highly sensitive children who struggle with managing their emotions cannot generalize skills. Those skills seem very concrete, and they are stuck in the certain position that they are relative to. Why? because your kid's taking in so much information. So if your child is taking in all the information related to soccer, that information is different information related to basketball. So what happens? When you're stuck, your child can get really frustrated with the fact that you don't understand that these are two very different circumstances. But you as a parent can see, I call it zooming out with my clients, you can see at a diff different level that your child needs the very same skills just to use them in a different environment. But when children don't have the ability to regulate their emotions, then this plays out again and again and again in different avenues. And so the cycle of dealing with meltdowns is related to the cycle of whack-a-mole that you're in. But a lot of parents don't see that. So that's what we're talking about that today. Because when you're trying to help your child move beyond perfectionism, it's really crucial to understand that when you're calculating your child's strengths and you're discerning whether or not your child is making progress, if their ability to warm up to new ideas, to move beyond frustration, to let mistakes like the sleight of the hand in their art project roll off their back, doesn't improve with new situations, then your child isn't generalizing skills. So what we see for our clients is that they can go from soccer being a challenge and then basketball being fine, being totally running right into it and being totally fine because they've learned to generalize the skill. It's they're not filtering out, filtering in all the new new information about the social skills, about the communication, about the different noises, about the different um, communication strategies from the from the coach, about the different peers, you know, different friends. 
they are able to feel settled in their bodies and in their emotional management enough to take that information in and sort it. So that's the difference between being able to categorize information, which you need a lot of that energy. You need a lot of those skills if you're processing things deeply, right? You're a highly sensitive person. You need that skill. And being perfectionistic, being frozen with the worry that you won't do it right or being frozen when you make a mistake in terms of not being able to correct the mistake. Now, again, the word mistake is relative as well, especially for your children um, compared to an adult mistake. But with that being said, a lot of highly sensitive adults are can get pretty frozen in making mistakes and not doing it right the first time. Uh, because of the need to deal with frustration and worry and fear, not because they're highly sensitive. That is a skill that all humans need to learn. And it is not inherent in the trait as something that needs to perpetuate. So I wanted to make sure that we, we built some of these muscles for you guys in discerning the difference between the trait and um, a skill deficit. And so... Um, you know, I did a talk a, a long while ago about the difference between um, wanting to take it all in, right, and wanting to watch and wait and, and, and basically feeling like you're playing double dutch, never really knowing when to jump in. That's an anxiety experience. That's an anxiety experience, not a depth of processing experience. Um, and so it's really, really important to understand that your child needs to manage their own worries, fears, and concerns in order to dive in. Now, they're diving in, being highly sensitive and wanting to take all the information in uh, might be paced differently, but they're moving beyond fear. They're moving beyond paralysis. They're moving beyond perfectionism. And that, that is the true root of what you need to address when you want to get get out of the meltdown cycle. So it's not just about preventing those meltdowns. It's also about helping your child deal with disappointment, frustration, fear, and aggravation, and being able to do that by noticing that they can do hard things. And um, super crucial to support your child in, in being able to do that. So if you want to do that systematically, if you're ready to solve this problem from the root to not only end the cycle, but also to support your child in feeling like they can do it without all the muscling and convincing and reassuring that you're doing now, I encourage you to book a call because what we'll do is we'll discuss whether or not we can support you in how you're stuck and where you want to go. And if that's the case, then we'll walk you through that on that phone call and, and help you make the best decision for your family. And if, we're, if we feel like there's something that's more efficient or effective or appropriate, then we steer you in that direction instead. So, and we will support you in that respect. So, all right, guys, have a wonderful day. Uh, it's great speaking with you and I will talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you for joining me on this episode of How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. We release a brand new episode every week. So be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a fit to work with us at MTC, here's what I want you to do next. Head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call and book an appointment with our team. We'll get on the phone for about 60 minutes and we'll get you clarity on where you're stuck in parenting your sensitive child or teen, what your goals are for supporting your child's development. And if we can help you, we'll get you started on knowing exactly what to do to eliminate that meltdown cycle. 
Eliminating the daily meltdown cycle does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. And we've helped hundreds of clients from all over the world end that cycle in as little as eight weeks. So to see if we can help you do the same, head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call. I'm Megan Thompson, and we look forward to speaking to you soon.